in three, two, let's go. One. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Beyond the Headset. I am one of your co-hosts, Rick. I'm an XR developer and currently a grad student studying computer science, trying to level up and get good so I can be a beast in the industry one day. And I am Jones. I am another one of the co-hosts here. I've been in the tech space for about five years, worked on a startup in the music space, now working on another tech startup in the creative space. I've been in the Web3 and NFT space for about two years now. I think that digital property rights are absolutely fundamental to the open metaverse. And so I'll be excited to bring the latest in all web things Web3 here on a, on a weekly basis. And I'll be excited to dive into everything VR, AR, AI, just the future of digital with Rick here. Hell yeah. Okay, so this podcast, we're going to get into a bunch of breaking news and trends in all sorts of industries from VR, just the usual stuff. This is actually take two because I recorded it wrong. So we're going <laughs> to nail it this time. Yeah. Um, and then at the stuff. end of this episode, we're going to do some 2023 tech predictions. Oh, I cannot wait to hear yours. Yeah, we both, I think we both have some spicy takes for what's going to happen in tech this year. So stay tuned. Um, and with that, I think I'm going to punt it over to Jones for our first story of the episode. Yes, 100%. And so we're doing a fun thing here this episode for the first time where we're basically going to put 10 minutes on the clock on a timer. And so we're each going to bring our news and we're going to go over for 10 minutes, kind of have a whole discussion. So I will kick things off and I will start the clock. We'll hopefully be able to get this on the video too. That'd be pretty cool. But so I will press go right now. All right. 10 minutes starting now. So my first piece of news is not necessarily breaking news. There's actually not a ton of necessarily breaking news in the Web3 space. And I will actually get to that in my predictions of why I think that is. But um, just an interesting kind of ongoing thing that's been happening that I want to bring to light because I think it is really important for where we're headed and just to understand the space a little bit more. So Rick, have you ever heard of Polygon? Uh, barely until our first go around of this podcast. <laughs> I'll okay, take sweet. a quick recap though because I Yeah, quick recap. Okay. It. So that's kind of what I thought. And so basically Polygon is, it's a side chain of Ethereum. So my technology is a little bit limited. I'm going to be totally honest, but it's essentially, it is a blockchain that works alongside Ethereum where I think it uses Ethereum's um, privacy and security, but it has kind of its, it has its own token called Matic. And basically why I want to bring Polygon to light is because they have been absolutely crushing it when it comes to big web two companies. If you've heard about the news about Starbucks, Instagram integrating digital collectibles, Reddit introducing digital collectibles. And then recently, for those who are deep into the NFT space, Utes, which is a, a part of D-Labs, they recently moved from Solana to Polygon. And so Polygon has just been absolutely crushing it. And so I think it's important to bring to light because a lot of people haven't necessarily heard about it or don't really know what it is. And basically why I think that they are getting all these mainstream brands is because they're able to kind of tap into the almost legitimacy, I guess you could say, of Ethereum. I feel like brands might be a little bit more timid to come onto a blockchain like Solana or Avalanche, something that people don't really know. But Polygon has kind of the ability to latch onto Ethereum. But what they have over Ethereum is that it's a lot easier, or not necessarily easier as I want to say that, but cheaper to use. So with Ethereum, one of the big barriers to entry with using it is that there's pretty expensive gas fees. And that was one of the big value props of Solana. But Polygon also has very cheap fees. So you can do transactions without having to, you know, go crazy with the gas fees. Gas fees are essentially just fees you pay for making transactions on a blockchain. And so I think that's kind of my hypothesis is because of the legitimacy of being tied with Ethereum 
And because of the lower fees, they're able to really tap into these brands to get into their ecosystem. And what I've heard, they also have just an insane biz dev team <laughs> that's just always reaching out to these different brands. But I mean, it seems to be working. They're crushing it. And so Polygon is low-key like a sleeper here for just very influential in the Web3 space by being able to bridge this gap between Web2 and Web3. So not necessarily... Oh, and the other thing, the reason why I actually thought about this for this episode is because I was doing some research to prep things and I came across an article that talked about how MasterCard is partnering with Polygon to launch a, a music in Web3 incubator for musicians, which was just kind of fascinating for a few reasons. I mean, most importantly, just the fact that MasterCard is launching an incubator, whether it's Web2 or Web3 for musicians, that was kind of funny. But yeah, so that's kind of not necessarily breaking news, but just an ongoing thing about Polygon that wanting to shed some, bring to light Polygon as something to keep an eye on in the future. Okay, I got a lot of questions. Hit me with them. I'm going to hit you with a curveball. I asked you one question last time. I'll get to oh, the master card. No, huh? I'll get to the MasterCard music okay. incubator cuz also that's I don't understand. But curveball, your thoughts on there's so many blockchains and as someone who's not a web3 guy, blockchain and crypto in and of itself it is pretty incomprehensible to the average person. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like having like a million blockchains just adds to this confusion of like how a normie like myself is even supposed to like interact with this stuff like do you think (laughs) it needs to like slim down do you think a bunch of them are just gonna like fail eventually or is there something healthy about having like ethereum on solana gemini I don't know, like all these. <laughs> yeah, well, so it's funny you bring this up because this was actually going to be one of my second points is talking about the different types of blockchains. But I guess, yeah, let's just talk about this for a little bit because it's pretty interesting. I almost kind of think about it as like the um, early internet age where you got all of these different internet projects popping up everywhere, but only, you know, 1%, 0.1% actually survived. And so I think you're kind of in that period right now with Web3 and crypto where you see all of these things popping up and flocking up, but I think a very, very small percentage of them will actually continue to see the light of day. So I guess, how much time do we have? Because I could go into this right now and just have something else for the next one. Wait, four minutes. Okay, so- Go for it. Okay, so I'll, I'll cover this as my as this one. Basically, there's almost, and again, my technical limitations will be probably pretty present here, but this is all essentially directionally correct. So there's almost three main theses for- what the future of blockchains look like. So if you take the Ethereum ecosystem, the Ethereum ecosystem runs off of this theory for the future where there's one main settlement layer. So Ethereum is essentially the main chain. And then all the other kind of blockchains or or things that enhance the experience are rollups on top of that. So there's things called layer ones and layer twos. So basically in the Ethereum ecosystem, Ethereum is the main chain, the layer one. And Mm. because that's, has expensive fees and stuff like that, the innovation that's happening on Ethereum is not necessarily creating new blockchains, but actually creating these things called layer twos that work with Ethereum. So essentially how it works, there's things called Optimism, Arbitrum, ZK rollups, there's a lot of them. But the idea is that they actually help Ethereum transactions off of Ethereum 
and then basically settle them by using the security of Ethereum. Again, my tech limitations are, are not, but you can think about it in terms of the way of layer one and layer two. So rollups are almost on top of Ethereum. So it's not different blockchains that actually use Ethereum. And so Polygon is almost in that same boat. It's called a sidechain, not a layer one or two, which I know is confusing, but it basically is all of the bit. Ethereum ecosystem. So it's not a totally different one. Um, then you have something like Solana, which is a layer one. So that essentially is a, a competitor against Ethereum, if that makes sense. And so yeah. Solana's vision, if you think about Ethereum as like a layer one, layer two, kind of rolling up like that, Solana's vision is basically a monolithic vision where they think they can just increase the block size, which means like the amount of transaction produced in each block on the blockchain. They make that huge and they just say, let's just ram it all through. And so they basically just prioritize for speed. But the problem there is Solana prices a little bit of decentralization because when you have blocks of that size, you can't have it as decentralized because you you can't like run on your personal computer kind of, you need like a little bit more power than that. So, but that's kind of that is like a monolithic. And then there's another one called Cosmos. Their thesis is this almost internet of blockchains, this network of blockchains where for any app, almost like Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is essentially like an app chain. There's a whole blockchain, but the reason it exists is mainly just for Bitcoin. And so their thesis is that for every new kind of app that comes out, there will almost be a new blockchain. But Cosmos is developing the situation where they can all easily talk to each other. And it's almost like this an ecosystem there where there's just a bunch of different app chains, but they're all seamlessly talking to each other, et cetera. So there's almost three main visions there. Monolithic, the Ethereum one where there's all these rollups. Monolithic is Solana. Ethereum one where there's the rollups, you kind of go on top of Ethereum. And then there's this Cosmos one where there's just a bunch of chains kind of working together. I guess this is all just to lay out the picture of, I have no idea where this is going to go. And I think no one really does. I think people are making their bets based on where they're putting their money and what they're investing in. But to the average consumer, like I spent two years diving into this and I still don't really even get it. So I I think that's just why so many people are so out on it is just even as someone who looked into it so like intensely to try and understand it, it's still fairly incomprehensible. And it feels like that's the challenge going forward is like web two felt i mean maybe it's just hindsight but it seems like it was easier to grasp because the front end component of it was like cool to it whereas web three feels like more of a back-end technology mm-hmm. that like requires i don't know yeah no i actually agree with you i think that's that actually is a lot of the sentiment i think even in the web three community is kind of like how can we prioritize consumer experience? Like that's the only way we can kind of like go for it. And that's actually yeah. when I get to my 23, 2023 prediction, a lot of it's going to be on that because I think we're already starting to see that it go that way with like meta doing digital collectibles, Reddit doing digital collectibles. No one really talking about NFTs or like what blockchain it is, but instead using the underlying use case to like show the value of sovereign ownership that you own this, that you can transfer it between different apps. So I actually, I totally agree with you though. <laughs> I think that's one of the most confusing things about the whole space is that like you just, you have to be pretty technical to be honest, to like understand what the hell's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like even I'm technical and I still just sit there and I'm like, does this, it's just like, it clicks sometimes and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait, never mind. And then I'm yeah. like, oh wait, no, wait, I get it now. No, 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 I no, feel no, that. no, never mind. All right, all right, Fuck sticking to the, to the flow. So timer is off, which is actually good timing. I feel like we, that was that was solid time control. So now, what do you got? Your 10-minute right. segment. Hit us with it. We're going to flip back to my favorite news, Apple headset news. 
always yes. gets me stoked. A big report from the information, which is a news website, and they apparently interviewed people at Apple or they got some sort of scoop on the new headset. And some of it was details verifying what like prior reports from Bloomberg and uh, that analyst Ming-Chi Kuo uh, have reported. So that kind of gives it a little bit more credibility that it's confirming some of these old details. And there's a few new details. So I'll go through it. Uh, there's a few doozies in here. I'll start with, hold up, let me pull up some of my notes. All right. So one of the weird ones is apparently they're reporting that there's going to be a waist mounted battery. So like a battery you strap on your waist, one battery charge only lasts like two hours, but you can swap <laughs> out the battery. It's a weird decision and it makes me kind of question the wording of this or even the authenticity just because Apple, so Apple would do this, but only if they were selling it as a dongle, because Apple loves to sell you like 9 million, like here's a lightning port to headphone <laughs> jack to like, they have a million of these things, but. So this is literally something you wear on your waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a battery you wear on your waist. And it's, I think the intent is to make the headset lighter and slimmer. If that's the only battery, but I would, that would be pretty unApple to not have like the core product be at least a little bit more like, I don't know, sleek, <laughs> yeah. precise, having this like it, ugly oh. wire coming down and strapped to your waist seems pretty not Yeah, Apple. their whole thing is being sleek. Yeah, you know, looking... I, I could see that being, I think it is possible that this is true, but they just meant that this is an add-on you can buy. That would be wild um, if they made you purchase... Or they made you wear something on your waist whenever it would you be used. it would be goofy. Um, a few other sting notes: uh, digital crown, like on the Apple Watch, there's a crown that you can spin. There's going to be one on the side of the headset, and you twist it to seamlessly transition to v from VR to real life through the pass through cameras. That seems like a cool touch because I hate That's the cool. Oculus the double tap on the side. It, I accidentally trigger it or it doesn't work. I don't know. It's it's yeah, lame. That's cool. That's cool. Um, 120 degree field of view, which is great. People, I feel like VR enthusiasts particularly so prioritize field of view, which I've started to kind of disagree with, but it, it does kind of open things up in your vision and make it really feel more visually immersive. Uh, so what is the, uh, what's the Oculus? Oh, uh, Oculus is 90 or 95 degrees. Oh, gotcha. So that, versus that is 120. Hard. Yeah, because um, I, I definitely have like no peripherals right now. Yeah, it's, it's, you get the like, it's like you're looking through binoculars or something. Um, and then iOS apps, you can run in 2D, which is interesting. That, that doesn't, it's interesting, but it, it'll add content, but it doesn't really, I don't know. Oh. Like, cool. <laughs> All right. I just you're upset right, about we're, this. We're back. Headset. We're back. It's we're running back. away. Okay. In terms of the iOS, okay. In terms of the App Store, so it will it be something like with the with the headset, you basically access the App Store in a similar way you would on your phone. Yeah, it's all going to be connected. I, I mean, that. I don't know. I can only speculate. But the fact that it says iOS apps in 2D, I think that just means you get the App Store and all the apps that already exist. You can pull up like the Twitter app, and it'll appear in 2D in front of you in the headset. Which oh, is wow. that's good. I don't know. It's something about that just like it, it seems like a bare minimum thing. Like I kind of. Well, I guess I'm intrigued about how that would say I'm a app developer, right? Like say I, I have my app on the app store, which we did. Would I now have to think about how that would look on a headset? Like I wonder I mean, how. So yes and no. Like I feel like 
my thoughts would be you would want to like maximize how good it looks across all platforms. But if you're Twitter, you also may want to consider making like a, a full AR VR app, not just like a 2d app. I don't know what like Twitter would look like. That might not make sense, but yeah, I don't know. I think they would be, be trying to make, cause it sounds like it would just port existing apps into the headset and the developer doesn't have to do anything. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, um, Another report, this one's been reported before, it's just more verification, and it's a sketchy one, is apparently Apple is, like, not stoked on the idea of games for this headset, which is baffling to me, because I think the App Store revenue is, like, 30, or, no, not 30, 60, like, more than half of the revenue from the App Store comes from games, and they take a fat 30% off of those, Uh, but apparently their focus is on like video conferencing because there's going to be a ton of facial trackers. So it'll be really realistic looking. And also some of their apps like maps, you could like pull it out and put it on a table and show like a 3D map of something. That stuff sounds cool, but like there won't be controllers for it essentially because controllers are mainly for gaming and they don't want to emphasize gaming. I don't know. So you that, won't that, have these handholds. No, they want to emphasize hand tracking, which in the long run may be correct, but it, it always, Apple's always been kind of like about gaming. Like, whoa. You, so, but in, in this setting, like we're not gaming, but the hand controls are very important to get around in this world. Yeah, but uh, VR chat actually recently introduced hand tracking. So you right now, if you went into your settings, you're on a quest. If you went into your settings, yeah. you could turn on hand tracking and then you could put your controllers down and you don't need to use your controllers. Could I move around? Like how would I point? Yeah. There's weird controls where you like touch certain fingers together and move them. And it's really not intuitive, but it's, once you get it down, I think it's not bad. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Okay. Question for you on what you just said, because we've had this discussion about gaming versus social VR and how the gaming almost feels more problematic, I guess, than this social VR, how that was kind of a hidden thing that came out. So how do you feel about the, that Apple's decision about deprioritizing gaming? Like, would you agree with that from our past I conversations? Just, or? So mixed feelings. I think in the long run, they're focused on AR generally. So I think it makes sense not to go too ham on VR gaming. That being said, from a marketing perspective, if they're going to try and market this thing as like a video conferencing and like cutesy little maps thing, like, I don't know. People are really expecting a lot from this headset. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. that's it, gaming... Regardless if the games suck, you can get, like, the marketing potential is so much higher. Because you can just get these insane clips of someone, like, like in Boneworks, which is a physics-based game that everyone loves right now. You can, like, eject a mag from your gun and, like, throw your gun and spin it and then catch the new mag and start shooting things. And it's, like, it's badass looking. Whereas, like, I don't know. the Especially from what I've seen from Meta, just, like, the avatars and the face movements just look, like creepy and yeah well it's funny saying that was exactly what came to mind first for me was the meta horizon worlds and how just lame that looks like that and zoom were the two things that came to mind when you said video conferencing so yeah that will be i totally feel you that will be really interesting to see how they market it because that is not sexy they they did um this article says it's realistic video conferencing so it won't be those like goofy or at least i'm assuming it would be very bad if they use those goofy like memoji faces that would suck because <laughs> yeah. those was look that, just as bad. Is that from Horizon Worlds? Is that what those were? 
No, emojis are an Apple thing. Like if you, I can text you one right now in the face, the, oh, the front oh, facing that. camera. Okay, yeah, because but the those, horizon looks similar to horizon. Like, yeah, yeah, they just yeah, look yeah. so bad. <laughs> yeah, if they like... if they try and go with that, then I think this is going to be a disastrous launch. If that's like a main selling point. I mean, you got it, Matt. Like that's one of their strong suits is the marketing. I'm going to be fascinated to see. I, I yeah, I'm fingers crossed that they at least have learned from meta's just complete disaster of a year yeah um any anything else as the timer let's see how much you got you got um 20 seconds anything else quick yeah i'll just drop the big one uh reporting three thousand dollars for the headset that over under what you thought originally over they said they were the article words it is they're considering three thousand so it's possible it'll be lower I did think it was going to be well above the Quest Pro, which is 1500 I think it's fine. I think it's going to suck because I think people think this is going to be a consumer thing. But all the reports have kind of pointed to this being like more of a dev kit to get uh, like AR, VR developers in the Apple ecosystem and get them geared up for ideally their glasses, which seems like the real grail item for Apple down the line. But people gotcha. are going to be very disappointed by that price tag. So this is kind of like the, almost the MVP just to get people working in the system before they get something else. Yeah. For more and they also, money. if they priced it at 1500 they would only be able to create a headset that would, I mean, this isn't entirely true. They can do whatever they want. But like if it was 1500 I would expect the specs to be pretty similar to like the Quest Pro, which is not interesting. Like it's yeah. interesting in that the pass-through is better, but like, the pass-through looks bad. The, the core sucks. Like, so I think it is going to be very premium, and it'll justify it. But I think they just decided, like, you know what? We'll just jack up the price. Doesn't matter. We need this thing to look good. Otherwise, this whole product yeah. line might That flop. actually might end up being a good positioning move. Because if they priced it a little bit lower, it might seem more in reach for consumers. And then they might even be more mad. But if it's this high, it almost is, like, so clear that it's not necessarily for the average consumer and it's just for I, people in the ecosystem. Yeah. I'm also hopeful that they'll at least market it and be like, hey, this is not going to be in every household, this headset. This yeah. is just like... Do you, do you think they'll even really market it? Like if it's if it's 3K and it's meant as this kind of more niche developer thing? I do. I think they're going to have a blowout event. I think they have to just because the like hype for it. It's been like seven years of hype for this thing. Oh, wow. It keeps getting gotcha. delayed like... It's also just, I don't know, Meta has elevated the whole VR, AR scene so much that like I feel like they're going to have to like really try and impress. But at the same time, they do need to like temper expectations that like, yeah, this thing is super expensive. And it's yeah mainly for developers and enthusiasts. But down the line, we've got XYZ. I, I would think they're going to like hint at consumer focused products down the line. I don't know. For sure. Cool. Well, I gave you a little bit extra time there because yeah, sorry it's about that. for Apple's headset. But now we will switch gears and I will go with something. I'll put the timer on. 10 minutes. Here we go. Actually, I give you, I forgot to do the timer for yours. <laughs> All right. All right. 10 minutes on the clock. Here we go. So what I got here for my second one, we kind of dove into this on the first one, but it's again about blockchain, but this is more about Solana. So are you familiar much with Solana? Like what is your background or anything that you know about Solana? same as polygon it's another blockchain i don't understand it or why it exists okay cool so solana i would almost argue that solana was right after ethereum no one come at me for this but i would say it was almost like number two for a little bit in terms of activity honestly maybe still 
in terms of activity, like NFT communities, almost, you know, like board Ape equivalent type stuff, not up to that level, but you have communities on there. They actually host a lot of really cool events. Like they had Solana Breakpoint in Lisbon where they get all these hacker houses together. There's like, there's some cool activity on there, but FTX was on Solana. I don't know if you know that. So that oh, well. was a huge RIP. Yeah, that was a, a huge blow for Solana. So the price of Solana at the high, I think it was around like 225 or something, like in the heat of the bull market. It went down the past. So this is actually kind of relevant news. It went down in the past few weeks to like $8. So I forget what that was. I think it's like a 95% drop or something crazy. And so Solana is just, the reason I bring this one up is because there is a lot of talk right now of, of where Solana goes from here. And I think it's an interesting thing to discuss, like you were saying about how many blockchains do there need to be, will they continue? And so one of the value props of Solana was that it was a lot faster. So like I, I've gotten some NFTs on Solana, I've used the ecosystem, or faster and cheaper. So I've used the ecosystem, it actually is amazing. Like I would be paying sometimes like 10, 12 bucks, sometimes even more on just single transactions on ETH when it was a lot of activity on Solana, you'd go and it would be like cents on the dollar. It would be basically nothing. And so you can make these transactions go fast, you know? And so that was actually a pretty good user experience. But now that I mentioned the layer twos on ETH, those are almost solving the gap, the fee problem for Ethereum by using layer twos that's still interacting the Ethereum ecosystem. So I think Solana might've kind of bet on this idea of we can get people from Ethereum to use our blockchain because it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot faster, but now you're actually seeing that already happen on Ethereum with layer twos. So it's just gonna be really interesting to see where Solana goes. And like, is there a use case for that now? I don't, I don't know. I guess you could still argue that there might still be a future for a monolithic blockchain. And because where my head's at right now is there is a lot of cool community activity. So I think they will continue. How long they continue for, I don't know where that leads them, but my guess is they'll continue to at least the next bull run. But it is interesting, like I was just thinking about use cases and like product differentiators because I, I, in the future, I, I in the past I was very bullish on Solana because it was faster in my experience. But now with that layer twos are there, it is kind of like how strong can just community and developer community be versus actual, you know, product differentiation. So, so yeah, Solana. I think the token's risen up a little bit more. I think it's at like twelve now. So we'll see where it goes. But yeah, Solana twelve from we'll like two twenty five. It was from like two twenty five. <laughs> top yeah, and Wait, so, so there, I think. Oh, go ahead, How how much of that is just the crypto winter versus the FTX debacle. So that's the question. That's the question is that, is that, so one of the arguments that I've seen is really that, which this actually might be completely true, is that FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried were actually propping up the price of Solana a ton. And that's why it got so high to 225. But so now that SBF Sammy, is gone. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. I know, it's just like so Naughty brutal. boy. Just so, just kind of ruining everything. So. So yeah, I do think that they'll continue to to grow from here, but it's just and then it's just a question of of getting people. It's like it's like a it's kind of interesting. They're almost like startups. These blockchains. It's like can you get attention and action in your community? Kind of like the AR headset for getting developers. Like there's other ones like Avalanche Near, and so yeah, I don't I don't know. It, we'll see kind of where where it all goes from here. But I am still I think. Even though I have no good, no good logical explanation, if you told me why, still a little bit bullish on Solana because I think they do have a solid community and that they will last to at least the next bull run, is my guess. Okay, we'll I hmm, I had a question, but it's it's kind of prediction based. Go for it. 
I don't know. It might it might kind of spoil your twenty twenty three prediction. Okay, okay. So let me. Well, I mean, from there. I what mean, is we can the just... when you say it's community based? What does that mean? Is it like NFT collection kind of deal? That's actually a good question. Yeah, I'd say there's. I would say there's almost two strong communities in blockchains right now, or I guess how I would think about Solana. One is the NFT community, and one's the developer community. So for the developer community, I do think I'm not in that, but I do think it's pretty strong in the way that they have a ton of events. They have different hacker houses. It seems like a lot of people are building on Solana. Which that's one of my reasons why I feel like it has to continue to grow because that's one of the most important things for blockchains in the same way for like the AR headset or whatever, just having people build out your ecosystem. And it does feel like people are doing that. And then the second one is the NFT communities where it's just like kind of culture based and people using your platform to kind of build culture on. Huge blow. This is one of the reasons why it's more recent. It's kind of niche. That's why I didn't talk about it, but I will now. One of the biggest NFT projects on Solana is called D-Gods and there's this guy, Frank, who runs it. They're unbelievable. I mean, also full disclosure, I'm a holder, so <laughs> I'm I'm bullish on them. But they, I, <laughs> they yeah, exactly. Fuck not it. financial advice. Totally not financial advice. But they <laughs> they they've been making a lot of awesome moves and like they're getting a lot of attention. But they actually, so they D Labs is the parent company, and they have the gods and Utes, and Utes just moved to Polygon, and the gods is moving to Ethereum in 2023 in Q1. And so that was a huge blow for Solana. And so so my view on this is actually like, it's not necessarily that bad because if you're gonna survive on a blockchain, you can't have it survive just because there's you know one project that does well, like you have to have a bunch of people. And so now I think hopefully it will open the door for more and more people to build and stuff on Solana. One of the reasons, if you're curious about why they made the move is that he basically explained it like he's a big fish in a small pond on Solana, the founder, Frank, of this project. And if he moves to yeah. ETH, he can become a big fish in a big pond because just the cap of, you know, like the floor price on Bored Apes is like 100 ETH. And nothing's even like that's where the whales are for the most part. Whales as in like people are going to put in big money is on Ethereum. And so if you, Do you know what the conversion Ethereum, is now on 100 ETH, like what? ETH is like $1,000 right now, I think, or like maybe Shoot. a little bit more. So Boy. it's like, yeah. But I mean, in the the price of some of this stuff is crazy. I mean, yeah, in the bull market, like some there were crypto. Dude, that was like so insane. The, I feel like it reminds me of the first like peak back in 2017 when I started working, and everyone in my office was like, "Dude, I just like put like X Y Z into Bitcoin," and like <laughs> I, I knew kids who made like an insane like twenty thousand oh, yeah. dollars. And I'm everyone like, was world's best fuck? investor in 2021. Including yeah. myself, and yeah, then this next the run was insane. <laughs> but yeah, no, hey, but honestly, th- kind of similar situation in VR right now. It's we're in a definite VR winter. It's yeah, it's not which is good. it's build win. I mean, that's what I'm trying. To, I'm super excited. This will be my prediction, but just like about the build. When you take out the speculation, for the most part, you can just build cool things. I think one thing that will be interesting though, in terms of predictions that I don't know about, is the cycles that happen, right? Like every cycle, there's bull, there's bear cycle in crypto, maybe in VR too. And every time the price increases, next bull, will the price continue to increase or has it already necessarily hit its limit? My, I guess, speculation on this is it will continue to increase because it just the sheer number of people coming in with the scarcity of the assets, there'll be more people coming in next bull run. However, it is a little bit wild to think about. Like CryptoPunks already in this bull cycle was th- selling for a thousand ETH. It's hard to imagine next bull cycle they'll sell for like five thousand or ten thousand. Like that I just think seems so like, wild, but they there's been like different like hype runs for the whole Web three space, but that one was just too insane. 
And it's That's just crazy. turned the public opinion, like, not good for Wesley. <laughs> that I feel like there's no way it could reach that hype. Whereas in 2017, like, there was hype, but it wasn't, like, so outrageous. And there also wasn't the confounding, like, I don't know, like, board Ape pictures look... I, to the average person, I think they look fucking awful. Like, these... <laughs> like, maybe that's... Maybe you disagree. We'll definitely put that clip. We'll definitely cut that clip. It's a good one. <laughs> but it's... I mean... They're just like these like kind of gross looking ape drawings. And to the average person, the fact that that got to because they don't understand all most people yeah, don't I totally look agree. into I the totally like agree. the community aspect. They just see like Tom Brady buying like a board ape for like thirty million dollars, <laughs> and it's like you bought this like ugly ape for thirty million. I that's yeah. I mean that just makes me think like if. Crypto has a good comeback. It, there's no way it can reach like that level of hype. It will be interesting. It will be interesting to see. We shall see. Okay, that is the time for this one. What do you got for your next uh, next piece? Yeah. Sorry to come at Bored Apes like that. I just... No, no, no. I, okay, let's... Just to wrap it up, I actually totally agree with you. That if, <laughs> like if you're, a, if, you're, if you're an average consumer, like I'm also not to come at board ape art the board ape artist but like it's not necessarily like objectively like you wouldn't value that at million dollars just seeing the art so i totally i think nfts are a blessing and a curse in that i think they have been able to tap into culture in a way that crypto had not before when it was just like DeFi and finance and developers so i think nfts allowed more and more people to come in but at the same time it also did push forward i think this scammy narrative when you think about a picture of a monkey being worth you know two hundred thousand or whatever and like how totally. does that equate you know um yeah yeah i don't know there's there's uh okay yeah next one let's uh let's get out of web3 and vr and hop into some ai news oh yes love it okay i'm gonna start the timer three two one go for it open ai chat Jat, chat GPT. <laughs> chat GPT. <laughs> chat GPT is valued at about $29 billion now, which is, I think, double what OpenAI was worth maybe a year ago. I don't know. Wait, so OpenAI is valued at, not Chat GPT. Yeah, chat sorry, GPT. sorry, sorry, sorry. OpenAI is, is valued at that. They, they own Chat GPT. Yeah, I don't know. That's there's not much more news than that. Microsoft invested back in 29 about a billion, so they've been worth a lot for a while, but like they've just kind of had this insane two-year sprint. Well, I remember like a year and a half ago when like Dolly the first version came out mm-hmm. and it just would produce these like fever dream images that looked so trippy. I, I there was like <laughs> I swear like half the EDM artists out there had early Dolly visuals in the background because they're just like these like trippy colorful things but the amount it's progressed in the last year and a half is scary like i it's very cool what they're doing it's also very scary because it's just Mm -hmm. like it sucked a year and a half ago it was interesting it made cool things but it like was not very usable except in like abstract art cases but now with chat gpt new york school system apparently just banned it because it's writing yes. essays so well that like these kids are just getting like easy A's just like, hey, chat yeah. GPT. Oh, I have a take I've been thinking about. In essay on the Napoleonic Wars or some shit, and it'll just nail it. Um so yeah, it's it's worth a lot, and I think it isn't there yet as far as something you can really rely on. Um it's it's in- incredible, super impressive, but like 
it if you ask it to give you wrong information, it will give you wrong information. Like if you say, mm-hmm. Chat GPT, tell me, give me, tell me about the time like Indonesia landed on Mars, and it'll it'll tell you. So there, it's oh, I think that's, that's something they're working on is fixing some of like the falsities or like how yeah. do you fix that? Because maybe someone just wants like a creative story out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but, complex. Yeah. Oh, I, I, this topic is fascinating. I have so many takes on this. One thing I thought was interesting with ChatGPT and what you're just saying about falsehood. So I was showing it to my mom over Christmas, who's a lawyer, and she was asking it all of these super in-depth, like lawyer-type questions, whatever. And there were a few times that she would ask them, and they would be incorrect based on her knowledge. And I thought that was super fascinating because it does show that even though on the surface, it, it is even not on the surface. It's wild technology, but it definitely does still need some and i think for example she has the knowledge to know if that's accurate or not but if i type that out i would not know if it's accurate or not so mm-hmm. when as a society do we start to trust this 100 percent as fact i think that will be a really interesting thing and i saw a take that it it almost as if you're an expert in your field like a lawyer or something you can use this to help you get like the the first thoughts easy, like generate them easily, but then you can, you still are needed as an expert to almost verify it like before publishing a report or something like that. If yeah. that makes sense, which I think is a pretty fair take. I think though it needs to eventually just be trusted beyond that because otherwise like, I mean, I don't know, it'll shave off work, but like if you have to have someone monitor all the output, then that might defeat the purpose a bit. Maybe it can produce the output faster. So I don't know. It's easier to, consume an output than it is to create it but yeah well i guess it's interesting because it's almost like how even without ai do we think like come to realize things are fa- like if if my mom told me something about litigation i would believe her even if it's incorrect yeah and so i guess that already happens in society anyways it's not it's no different with AI. <laughs> that's true we could get real like philosophical political <laughs> but i feel like the entire internet right now has created like a crisis of like what is real information and what is fake so I don't know yeah. how much, I think this is slightly different because I don't know, it's not sentient. It doesn't like realize it's wrong. I don't know. I feel like the point I'm making, you can just refute by, I don't, I don't even know what your point I'm trying to make, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You just need it's, to, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating tech. I, I've seen that. I follow all this stuff on Twitter all the time. Cause I, there's so many people who are probably so into this and the, the rate of innovation on this technology is mind blowing. Yeah. All of the new things people are building with it. Like there are all these things now that can detect if something was created by chat GPT or GPT. And so you can almost like put it in this trust thing. And so like, in, I think it's interesting. I actually have a take on the New York school banning thing, but you have, did you ever read, um, what is it called? Uh, or not read, but the, use that software when you were like in elementary school. I feel like we use it at our high school where it would it would check for plagiarism on an essay. You yeah, yeah. It's like checker. So I would imagine what's going to happen is that they're going to be those. I don't know how they work. I didn't even know you could do this. But I guess you can tell if something was written using GPT. And so instead of banning it in school, I think you'll have these checkers that can check if you do that. The banning thing I think is fascinating because have you ever read The Sovereign Individual? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I actually did a while ago. Oh, I love that book. I'm reading it now. But it's not totally related to that, but kind of just the cycle of innovation where any new tech, you're going to have the current institutions push back on it because it feels like it's threatening. And so I feel like that New York school thing was the very first start of 
so much of that that's going to start happening with AI because that tech is not going to stop. And yeah. so I think there's going to have to be more adaption than just simply saying it's banned because I don't think that's going to work. In, like, I don't in know. My, my boomer take here is, well, I don't know. I guess on the one hand, if you use it for research, it's clearly not good enough for research yet, but maybe one day it is good enough. But like using it to write papers for you is a is a whole nother thing. And I think that goes to all the different like art disciplines that are being challenged by AI right now, where it's visual, soon it'll I'm sure it'll be music, but like if you use it as like a helper and it's not too intrusive, I think that's fine. But like there's also just so much value to learning how to just sit down and like think through a paper that like mm -hmm. if you go softball on this like it is to the detriment of anyone who uses it to like get by yeah i don't necessarily disagree with you but like if you just think about human nature like do you think if this exists somewhere that people are going to just not use it i guess my maybe yeah, it's a no i'm sure take. people will use it i just think i don't know it's like all cheating like you make it as hard as possible and then you know, the people who are really good at cheating will get away with it, but like it doesn't help them that much after so they get I, out of school. I guess how I see this is that it will be less cheating because it will be so fundamental to society to work with AI tools. And so in that way, it will actually have to be ingrained in the way you learn in a totally different way that I don't even know what that will look like. But I think that it would actually end up being a disservice to ban these tools because all of society will be using them that I don't think you actually even will be able to do that. So I think that's why I have this take that the New York school system, I think that's like a total short-sighted thing that I don't think will end up being the solution in the long run. Because because of the situation, like cheating is fundamentally bad, right? But like this AI stuff isn't necessarily fundamentally bad. It's almost like a productivity enhancement. I totally agree with your take that it, right. as a human development, that it it's will- just, you It's kind of like papers. a continuation of the issues the internet has caused is like, we just offload so much of our memory and attention span to like, I don't know, we've pretty much cured boredom with the internet now where like you just have endless content at your hands at all time. And I think there have been studies at this point that have shown our attention spans have literally gotten a lot shorter and it makes us harder <laughs> to like produce deep, meaningful work. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting too philosophical with it, but no, I just I worry that, that like, it, using AI tools as like a part of the process to create something I don't have a problem with. It's just if the AI, if all you're doing is maybe giving it like a prompt and it creates this thing that normally takes like hundreds to thousands of hours of practice and whatnot, then like you kind of, I don't know. It's just like the more we get into that, the more it's like, what is the point of us? If we just have all these <laughs> yeah. things, automated art, Dude, automated, totally. like everything. Like, I, I mean, know, I man. when Chat G, when I first used Chat G, GPT, I had like a crisis that day because I was <laughs> like, I kind of had a plan for like what I was gonna do with things, at least in the near term. Like, if what my startup right now didn't work out, maybe I'd learn how to code. But then it was like you can literally type into Chat GPT and like it will build apps for you. Like, not necessarily right now, but it, it will get there. Like, it can already it, check it does it stuff. sometimes successfully, and other times I've heard if you just tell it like correct X Y Z thing, it'll correct those things. So it's, yeah, and so I'm sure really complicated apps it won't do, but like the fact that it already can just write a program that solves some issue for you is like yeah. Why and so in that, computer it, science? It's crazy. It's crazy to think. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you even have masters? And so I guess that's that's where my heads are right now. Is that I guess honestly, even still, 
I mean, I, th- I think it can greatly enhance an individual's productivity, which is great. But in the long term, like I actually do think it's going to vary drastically, not only AI, but just tech in general, Web3. I think, and this is also just my, like, this is my belief in general about just general institutions, probably after reading The Sovereign Individual, that like we are entering the information age. And if you were, I love this quote from the book where if you were a Roman in like the Roman empire, you would not have thought towards the end of the era that like your empire was dying but it's just fascinating seeing the trends there that then it entered in the dark ages yeah and then and so i i (laughs) that is my take of where we're at right now is that we are basically in there similar to what the book says and that like there's going to be a wild fundamental shift in how like everything (laughs) happens like in kind of the near future and like that's kind of i kind of want to be on the forefront of just observing it and seeing what happens so that we as individuals can always like you know, make sure we're kind of on the cusp and know how to change so we're not sitting there, you know, in 20 years still, you know, thinking nothing's going to change and then being totally uprooted. So, but that's, you know, we, yeah. we can get so into that's, that. On a, that's on a Jones's, Jones's 2023 main prediction is in the <laughs> yeah. collapse of the Roman Empire. Collapse of modern society aware. and enter the information age, enter, enter the AI world. Okay, start well, I guess let's do that. Do you have anything else? Do you have anything else in terms of I, those are my two, or and then we can get into predictions. Unless there's any, other I don't know. I, I mean, CES is happening, and there's been a million headsets announced. That was kind of my other thing. They're all like, would you want to do just like speed run them, just some announcements or something? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll run through a bunch of them. So HTC first one, they announced the Vive XR Elite. It's a competitor to the MetaQuest Pro. It's only a thousand versus fifteen hundred, but it's still wow. not very consumer friendly i don't know it, that one's interesting just because htc was one of like the OB headset producers back when it was like oculus and htc um and people have just been like so desperate for them to make a consumer headset again because they used to and now they only do like business focused ones um a thousand dollars not really i mean if you're an enthusiast you might consider this one over the valve index but i don't know it's expensive uh what else svr2 PlayStation. PlayStation? Yeah, yeah. they their headset looks really good. I just am not that excited about it because I don't own a PlayStation 5, and most people don't because it's impossible to get. It looks really good. They have really good games for it, and they announced Gran Turismo, a racing game, which I'm sure will look like insanely realistic, but I I don't know. Wait, this is PSVR 2, so is there a PSVR 1? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For PlayStation 4, they, they made a... They made a headset. It, it's really oh, good. Wow. It's, it's, I think the the main draw, the thing I feel about VR that's the biggest issue is like the hardware is pretty cool now. It's just the software kind of blows. PlayStation at least takes all these like, I don't know how much you know about PlayStation, but they are known for having like really good exclusive titles. Gotcha. Like The Last of Us, which is now an HBO show. Um, uh the Uncharted, which was just a movie with Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have all these like super popular games, and they've ported a bunch of them to VR, and you can only play them on PlayStation VR. So they have really good software. It's just, I don't know, you have to own a PlayStation, so that's already like four or $500, and then you have to pay another four or $500 for this headset. And Got you. 
I'm personally not. I'm excited to see videos of those games and then never play them. So that's <laughs> my take on PlayStation. Nice. I don't know. There's some cool AR headsets. Somnium Space, you might be interested because I think yeah, they're... Yeah, I am interested. I have, they, a, I have a nice waterfront property in Somnium. We have to maybe do a podcast from, <laughs> yes. from the lake or we can ocean. We that the new HQ. Whatever body of water it is. <laughs> with our Somnium Space headsets, they yes. announced. Actually kind of cool. They... They're like open source headsets, which means you can like plug in. They come, I think, fairly bare bones and they have a bunch of spots where you can plug in like face tracking modules or wireless PC VR streaming modules. Um, 120 degrees field of view, pretty high resolution. I don't know. It looks good, but it's it kind of strikes me as I like the open source part of it, but the open source part of it also makes me think it'll just be like, Kind of a weird niche crew that gets them. Not judging people who gets them, but I'm like the sure. most enthusiast people would be interested in this, gotcha. and not like a consumer. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing they kind of want to. I think VR is kind of a focus on that app where you have waterfront space, name space. <laughs> I think they're trying to. Well, it seems like they have Web three. It's Web three and VR maybe because it's an NFT. I have that. Is yeah, yeah, yeah but I think that. yeah, I googled it and it's it's one of those like big real estate and you can go in the game and then like. It sounds like they really want VR to be a big part of it. I don't Got know. you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Some AR announcements. Some yeah. I, it's, cool. It, well, I guess last question maybe on that before we get into twenty twenty three predictions. Predictions. Yikes. Similar to what you asked me, how do you see these headsets evolving in the future when there are so many of them? Is it similar to like the blockchain thing where some will die out? Is there a multi headset future? Do they all interoperate with the same? Where? How do you see that playing out? I think it kind of has the advantage of like already being tied to all these massive tech companies where there are all these, there are a million headsets being made and all these Kickstarters, but like none of them really matter except for Meta, Apple's eventual headset, Pico, which is by ByteDance who owns TikTok. So already one of the biggest companies in the world. It, it's very centralized in like the big tech hands. So there are all these headsets, but I, I would liken it more to like, you know, a smartphone market where like, I'm sure there are all these weird companies making their own take on a smartphone, but like for the most part, it's Samsung, Apple, Google, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So it feels like that's going to just continue. We're like, they're really, if you're someone who's interested in getting a VR headset, you still there? Yeah. I was just, I got a notification that said headset battery low. I only have 15%. Oh, 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 all right. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think a lot of these headset companies will die out. HTC has partnered with a bunch of these companies before. I think they work with Valve on the index. Valve is another big one. Um, gotcha. I think, I don't right. know, Valve, but yeah, so. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, should we just rip through predictions to uh, so we can get through it before the headset does? That's, I guess, one of the flaws of doing it in the, uh, in the metaverse. True, true, true. Charger. Yes. Do we want to just go like back and forth one prediction? Sure, one I mean, prediction. I, yeah, okay. I have, t I only have two that are like. I came up with a few extra ones. Okay, just cool. to take Back yeah. and forth on the two, and then some hot take bonus ones. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, do you want me to start? So just yeah. Do okay, it. so um, my first one is actually not that spicy at all. It this is a Web three one that it will continue to be build winter. I guess in crypto is my prediction is that we will not see any kind of wild runs like we saw in twenty twenty one. I think that it will be like pretty even keel. The reason why I say that is because I think we're seeing a lot of exciting building happening right now. And the only people that are really left in the space 
are the people who fundamentally believe in crypto because right now you're you're only losing money like if if you're in there you're you're either insane or you actually believe in what's going on and so it's a pretty cool time because it feels like the people who are there actually care about it and so i think that they will continue to be more and more i guess almost like silent builds and silent progress where you could see something like it's not necessarily silent, but like more brands adopting things that aren't necessarily NFTs, blockchain, crypto, but more of like digital collectibles, um, you know, digital fashion. Like you see even Nike and Adidas coming in through there too. Nike just released a dot swoosh thing. So I think you'll see more and more of that of brands entering the space. Maybe they'll do press releases and stuff, but I think we'll all be a little bit more on the low key, at least compared to 2021. And then I think once that all starts happening, I think then we'll eventually see a cycle, whether it's at the end of this year or next year, where things do start getting hyped up a lot more. But it will be a lot more fundamentally sound because you'll have already had all of these kind of Web2 brands coming in and a lot more infrastructure and better consumer experience built out in the meantime. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of price action, but I think there will be a lot of building. So there will that will kind of lead up to the next cycle where there will be more stable price action i guess there'll be more fundamentals built up it's kind of my web three prediction okay okay i'm gonna ask you another question on that do it um i feel like every time there's an insane run in the crypto blockchain whatever space it's like tied to something like 2017 it was just people learning about what ethereum and block in bitcoin were mm-hmm. the most recent one was nfts mm-hmm. do you think there's like have you seen any new use case that you think will drive the next run it's a great question yeah it was basically like 2017 was DeFi. this was nfts what's the next one i guess what i would say is almost i guess i'm just trying to figure out how to say this almost like a, a blend of web 2 into web 3 in a way that it's not like a specific web 3 term but it's just the fact that now all of these brands are using digital collectibles are using like this or using that kind of stuff so you know how a good example of this i almost think is the mp3 like the MP3 is almost just like a text standard, right? And so then as it came out and whatever, now people, when you refer to songs, like on Spotify, a lot of times you're referring to waves or MP3s. And so in the same way right now, I think NFT would equate to an MP3 and how where we're going to get to is referring to them as digital collectibles, as digital fashion, as their actual use case, rather than the token standard. Like, you know, if you're a normal person, not a producer like we are, you wouldn't say like, oh, like I'm going to stream this wave file. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, and I think that is what's going to kind of propel things is just this idea that this use case is powerful. And there's, it's, when Web2 brands come in, that is so much more activity on yeah. these blockchains. And that, you know, that drives economic activity, that drives up prices because there's more demand for actually to use these these um, tokens for transactions and stuff like that. So I think that, I guess, would be my bet for what the next kind of driver would be. Okay, nice. I one of the got, one of my takes I came up with a new hot take during this and it was Oh let's that, go give it well, to no, me. Well no 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 I was just gonna say it <laughs> was basically that where I don't think crypto has any sort of comeback this year. I think or okay. web three, I think yeah, well, I would be until Well okay. So I mean that's interesting though because like I guess comeback is that just based on price terms? Yeah, I don't know. I think any sort of like general public turnaround of perception I don't see happening. Gotcha. Um, um okay, I'm on ten percent. Okay. Yeah, uh, that one, dude. I mean, that one's interesting. It's like, will it ever have that? And you could see two different ways. Like one, I feel like 
some people are actually not super pumped about the digital collectibles, the digital fashion thing, because they think that it takes away from the, the whole ethos. Like if you're like a Bitcoin maximalist, it's like anti, you know, it's it's kind of sovereign freedom, anti-government. So you kind of don't think about the decentralization if you're yeah. about just digital collectibles. So some people are actually kind of against that. I don't think that's my camp. I think that anyone coming into the ecosystem is good because that can get them kind of learning more about that if they want compared to no one. Mm. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So my take is very similar to yours. And I'm going to wrap up a few of my predictions into one larger prediction. I think the VR winter is going to continue into 2024. A few predictions to go along with that. Quest 3 is supposed to get announced late this year. I think it gets delayed. I think it gets delayed to 2024. Valve Deckard, which is the enthusiast headset everyone's been pumped about. uh, It's like a standalone headset from Valve, which is they make steam they make a bunch of games it's the enthusiast like go-to is the valve index now that's gonna get not announced this year at all people have been expecting it for like two years i don't think it's gonna get announced apple's headset will finally get revealed and announced this year however reception is going to be kind of lukewarm is my prediction i think people the price the hype is just too high for it the price is insane i just can't imagine that their whole hardware software offering is going to be so, so cool compared to what's already out there that it'll really blow people away. I think people will think it's cool, but again, the price tag is just going to like kind of dampen the towel. So I think VR not going to have a good year this year, unfortunately. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, is it, I guess maybe it's not even that unfortunate for us who are in it because, or at least in the crypto perspective, it's actually kind of nice because there's so much, there's so many things being built. I feel like when there's so much hype and speculation, it takes away from the actual legitimate things happening and everyone's just chasing prices, like, you know, flipping different things. But now when there's no reason to be excited about that, you can actually just sit down and, you know, true build. But also I worry that like we've seen investments from like venture firms dry up in both spaces in the last year. I think they got cold feet. I don't know. A lot of, VC firms just are short term as long as as they like to claim that they're like long term investors, but like they get scared when things turn south. And so Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to be tough for any sort of like startup VR gaming firm, VR social app, VR fitness app. If they want to raise money, they're going to have a hard time in the next year. Yeah, I I heard an interesting take. I think it was from Jason Calacanis. He was like. He his predict one of his predictions was that basically what he was saying is that this will be the year where the next like Google you know Facebook Amazon type bets will arise from. It might take a while, but like this is where they'll almost kind of begin. And it is kind of interesting to think about where it's like those companies have been around for so long, and I almost yeah. kind of agree that like this could be the time for brand new innovation in this total bear market. And like if you are willing to risk mm-hmm. taking a bet. There could be a huge payoff there, which I yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty hopeful that there's going to be people powering through and making sick stuff on both fronts. But I don't yeah. know. I guess okay. I guess next tell. next take for me just right before my thing goes. This is probably the most obvious take of all time on any tech podcast. But just that AI will be the top news, and so I think like VR, Web three, like you said, might be a little bit on the winter. I think everything's going to be about AI, which is the obvious thing. I think that. I guess one take that I was thinking about as we were talking about this is I do think there will be more and more tension between institutions and tech, figuring Mm -hmm. out how to balance education, figuring out regulation, even in the crypto, not even with AI, but just, I think there's going to be a lot of tension there as, because basically AI has like been working out for a while. There's this quote that it's almost like 
you know, builds for a while and then it's all at once. And it feels like the AI is like this all at once moment where everyone's like, mm -hmm. what the hell is going on? And so with that, I think there's going to be a lot of like rash decisions, people like not knowing what, but I think it is going to play out in kind of a big role with the institutions versus tech situation. So yeah, I feel that. I, I kind of, yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's going to be crazy for AI in the next year, especially as people figure out what to do with it. Cause it's kind of like we have the technology and everyone's like, this is so cool. This is so sick. But like, we haven't figured out how to implement it into workflows just yet. And I think a lot yeah. of this year is going to be like figuring out how to make this stuff valuable. Also, Sell there's, it, all that. Cause there's been rumors too. Like, have you heard this stuff about Google? I, I'm pretty sure I've heard stuff that Google has this just like insane one. That's like even more powerful than ChatGPT, but they've been no. like nervous to even release it. And so, well, I, I read that article a while ago about that dude who like kind of went rogue and was like, "Yeah, yes, Google built a headset and it's like cracked. It's or they built, sorry, not a headset. They built AI and it's like sentient." The, the yeah. guy actually thought it's sentient. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little doubtful. I, I remember seeing that. He seemed yeah. like I don't know, maybe a little off his rocker but maybe maybe they made well i mean that's because the thing is is like chat gpt was there right but like this is kind of the all at once moment and that just means innovation is going to continue to go forward so it's like there's going to be another i think there's going to be another like oh my gosh chat gpt moment of like even more intense so that's i guess that's one of my all right i'm gonna i have a web 3 one just that i thought was funny and then do it do it i think sam bankman freed gets Somewhere between seven and eleven years in prison is my That's prediction. <laughs> is that based on it? Do you see? No, it's not, just I don't think it's going to be that aggressive because I don't know. I feel like do you see never... not guilty? Yeah, that's that's a bold move, especially when like <laughs> so... one else in his like posse pled guilty. Yeah, that's... I heard two takes on this. One is that he the deal he was going to get was so bad anyways that he was just like, let me just try to fight it. Two was that he is literally just that delusional. Like he actually doesn't think that he did anything wrong. I and just, he's just like, we feel I'm not a lawyer, obviously. So I don't know. There's probably some strategy to it, but like the fact that all of the closest people with him are flipping and pleading guilty, like there's no way they've already kind of talked about how he knew everything that was going on at that investment firm, <laughs> even after he like left it or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But Insane. I also just, I don't know, financial crimes, you never get the hammer dropped on you that hard. So seven years feels like a, I don't know. That was a fun one I came up with during the podcast. But that is fun. That is yeah. Fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do is, that, is that your last one? No, I had another s small set of them. Rapid fire. Do I just rip them? Because that, yeah, that was yeah. the main ones I had. It's 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 for the fans of gaming out there. I feel like we got some gamers in the crowd. I got some gaming predictions. Number one, Bethesda, the makers of Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, of Fallout, their next game, Starfield, which everyone is super hyped for. Getting delayed till the second half of the year. My prediction. Ooh. Number two, game of the year will go to the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild sequel, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, whatever the fuck it's called. That's gonna win game of the year. Hmm. Number three, Nintendo announces a new, the Switch successor later in the year. Those are my three gaming predictions for the year. Bang Boom. for the fans. Nice. That would be a nice clip. The fans will love that one. That'd be nice clip. Hell yeah. Dude, are we going to wrap this up before my headset dies? That'd be Yeah, I think, I think we're good. That's all my predictions. Nice. Real dope sesh. Good stuff. We'll see. We'll, we'll do an episode at the end of 2023 and we can 
look back. Yeah, how, recap. How I'm everything. so bad at predicting tech things that I think Sick. I could I mean, get a very. I like how you made some specifics though. Like that was yeah. Like, I I just completely. I feel engaged. like I wanted it to be a little spicy so that I don't know either. I either I look like it's a straight profit next year, or <laughs> one can just like mock me in the comments. Yeah, cool, dope sesh. Hell yeah! All right, well that's about it for this podcast. Thank you, everyone who's tuning in via YouTube, via the clips, via Spotify. I don't know if we're on Apple yet, but hopefully this next <laughs> podcast will be on Apple. We'll we'll see. We'll figure I don't really that know out. where we're available, TBH. But yeah, wherever you're listening, check us out on TikTok. Um, if you're not there, we always welcome YouTube. thoughts and feedback. I already saw some like technical comments from people that I thought were helpful. So, what you guys want for this podcast to be, we can. I mean, I don't, I don't know if your suggestion's dumb, we won't do it. But if it's good, we'll do it. So, yeah, stay out. Oh, yeah. Dope sesh. Catch y'all next time. Later, everyone. Peace. Peace.